Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody, welcome again to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck and I'm your host. And today's episode is called, When I'm Here, I'm in the Elements, When I'm Gone, I'm Forgotten. And it's a very interesting episode because I found when I'm with my wife, she wants me there, she begs me, don't leave in the middle of the night, don't abandon me, I love you. And her paranoia of thinking I'm sneaking people there while I'm there. But when she sends me away, she could care less about me. Glad I'm gone. Says horrible things about me. And wouldn't care if I was with somebody else. So it's a very confusing relationship. And it's got to do with BPD. So that's why I'm doing this episode. And again, I'm going to apologize. I'm recording this in my car because I've been on the road a lot this week lately. And I don't want to miss... Uh, uploading any podcast episodes so with that being said thank you again and I hope you enjoy the podcast and it's very hello everybody thank you again this is living in the third degree with BPD and uh podcast episode today is like I said when I'm with my wife I'm living with all the elements that have to do with BPD the abandonment issues she begs me um, during the night she'll even sometimes hide my shoes or my keys from my car and beg me not to leave during the middle of the night and it's sad because I look at her why would I do that I would never do that to you she's looked at me in the eye and begged me don't ever abandon me and I look right at her, and I start to cry. I, I tell her, I would never, ever abandon you. Never. And she's so scared that I'm going to take off or leave her. And she even says sometimes, when I send you away, I didn't really want to send you away. And I was hoping that you come back. But she never invites me back. Because that's the problem with the push and pull with PBT, uh, BPD. <laughs> sorry. Is... They're so fearful of abandonment, they'd rather push you up than have you abandon them. And I've tried to prove to her over and over that I would not do that. I've even handed her my keys 
and said, yeah, do you want to hold on to my keys? And she's never taken them from me and said yes, but that one time she did, it was so sad. And while I'm there, the paranoia sets in, and um, I mentioned this a couple times, we were sitting out near the garage, and there was noises in the woods, and she um, automatically assumed that there was somebody out in the woods waiting for me, or if she'll hear a car go by and beep the horn, even though there's a hundred houses on our road, they're beeping to let me know that they're around for me, or so here will kind of slow down or rub up their engine, and I try telling her, is, you know, I try to, I don't do it to tease her, but I look at her and I say, you know what, they rev their engine up here, how do you know it's not for the people across the street, that's directly across the from us, so the house that's directly next door to us on either side, but in her mind, it's always coincidentally when I'm there and it's somebody waiting for me, which is really sad, and, and it kills me, every time I hear something, that's why I've developed so many ticks because when we go outside, if God forbid a car slows down, I know there's going to be an argument. You know, if I go to the mailbox and a car happens to beat the horn to slow down. So there's so many things that I don't do or I'm reluctant to do. Going to get the mail or going outside. It's, um, it's a sad way of living. But again, I love her that much. I know it's a disorder. And I have made the decision myself. You know, we're wrong in control of our own decisions and my decision is either to make fun of her to leave or to stay with her and I choose to stay with her and um, I heard a podcast one day and I sent the guy an email and I said you're really cruel he was talking about how he teases his wife when she you know says paranoid things and I said you know she just wants reassurance from you she just wants you to say I would never do that you know why sit there and tell her oh, oh that's my girlfriend beeping you know, especially he would say it even before she would say it. He, he liked to beat her to the punch. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cruel. You know, you get the decision. You know, if you're going to do that and make it worse, all you're doing is torturing her. That's mental abuse. But in my situation, you know, I know it's coming. And I, I regret it. I, I, I hate it, you know. Like I said, I developed so many different ways that I've conformed my life to try to appease her and to try to help her disorder, you know, to reassure that, you know, I don't have anybody sneaking around that's not somebody beeping for me. Um, even though it doesn't work, it's still tough. It's really tough. But on that note, um, you know, what I'm really trying to get to is it sucks because then when she tells me to leave, um, you know, I admit, I'm not perfect. I mean, yeah, in the past, I've said, you know, I'm glad you sent me home. Um, you know, she'll tell me, um, you'll be happy with your girlfriend there. And I said, yeah, at least she treats me nice. I regret saying stuff like that. You know, because now I don't do that. So, it's very confusing on... ...line, um, and see if I can come up with something it's just it's really really strange um you know when i'm there she'll accuse me of something and get in a horrible fight about it call me nasty names say you know stop bringing little whores here or stop texting little whores um you know get really angry and sometimes i'll say to her like she said to me i said well even if i was going to do that we're not together so what does it matter 
and she'll respond, not on my property or not. So, I mean, you know, that was wrong to say anyways, but it's amazing how defensive she'll get. Um, you know, whenever my phone goes off, you know, who's that? You know, she wants to know everything. Um, but like I said, once, once I leave and I'm literally off her property, she wouldn't care if I told her, yeah, I am meeting somebody right now. She wouldn't care. When I'm on her property, I'm literally hers. And like I said, all the elements around BPD. I'm there, um, you know, and the loving as well. Like I said, she'll literally look me in the eyes and tell me, I love you. And a couple of weeks ago, I had taken her off of Japanese food. And um, she looked at me, grabbed my face, gave me a kiss and said, I love you so much. And I started crying. I said, that's the first time in three years that you've done that. Because, um, you know, if anybody who's been listening to my podcast realize we got divorced four years ago and we were apart for uh, 10, 11 months. And then we got back together, but I tried moving in with her and it didn't work. So I just go up and bring clothes with me. And on average, it's three to maybe five days before she makes me leave. But when she had done that, I literally immediately started bursting out in tears and I said, that is the first time you've done that three years. And she said, well, I love you. You know, and I told her before that one thing I come to realize that um, a lot of us don't realize is when we tell somebody we love them, it's almost like a bell goes off in our head that we want to hear the words, I love you. So we automatically say, I love you, so that we can hear, I love you too. So I explained to her one day, I said, I want to do something. When I say I love you, I'm doing it because I want you to know that I love you. Either it's just spur of the moment, or I may see you're upset, or I just want you to remember that I love you. I don't expect you to say it back, and I'll never ask you to say it back. Um, I'll never get mad if you don't say it back. If you want to say you love me as well, that's great. I appreciate it, and it feels good, but don't say it just as a response. You know, don't. I don't want you to do that. Because um, a lot of times in the past when I say I love you and she didn't say it back, I'd be like, what, you can't say it? And it's a selfish, a lot of people, I apologize for the noise. <laughs> I'm actually sitting in the city park right now um, recording this so I get cars going by and people going by. Um, but it's a very selfish act because so many people say I love you because like I said, a bell goes up in their head, they want that reassurance. So rather than just walking up and saying, Hey, can you say you love me? You say, I love you, or the automatic response of, I love you too. And how many people don't get that response and they say, well, you don't love me? You don't want to say it back? So I made it very clear to her. And honestly, there's so many times she doesn't say it back. I'd love to hear it, but my promise to her was, when I say it, I don't expect you to say it back. So she's definitely taking note of that. And sometimes I'll tell her why I'm saying it. You know, I'll go up and I'll be like, I just want you to know how much I love you. You know, sometimes she'll be like, well, what that brought that on? Nothing. I just really want you to know how much I love you. Or I'll say that she may be upset and I'll go up and I'll tell her, I love you. You know, it looks like you're a little upset. And I just, I just want you to know that no matter what, I love you. And <clears throat> that's what I said that day when she hasn't been overly um, compassionate and showing you know, any signs of real love in the past three years. And I can kind of understand. She 
you know, with her being in issues and she doesn't want to get attached to see me screw up where either I leave or she has to tell me to leave. And I don't want that. And um, so I don't push the issue. But I make sure that every single day, every day, not a day goes by, that first I tell her I love her multiple times throughout the day. And I say baby 10 to 20 times a day, at least 10. And the day does not go by that I tell her, I think you are the most beautiful woman alive. I really do. And then I also tell her how attractive she is and how sexy her body is and how attracted that I still am to her. And I'll make sure I remind her sometimes. I, you know, I'm not trying to put myself up on a pedestal hunt, but do you realize how lucky you can be to have a man that's with you for 34 years and still thinks you are absolutely gorgeous and a sexy body and is still so overly attracted to you? And, you know, a couple of times she said, you know, you sure you're not just saying that? I said, no. And I've told her, I said, you know what? So many times that, you know, that you don't believe the words I say or if you think that I'm doing something behind your back, I'll let you. I won't pick a place for the lie detector. You pick a place in New Hampshire, Matt, somewhere. You pick it. Only you know the place that you're picking. And I'll pay for it. We'll go there. And you can ask any questions you want. You know, I think they they probably allow, like, you know, 10 questions or whatever, whatever it is. I said, I'll pay for it. I hope maybe that reassures you. And, of course, then one time she said, oh, there's ways of beating those, and I'm sure you know how to do it. I, said, I don't. I really don't. I said, do you want to go to two different places? What do you think the chance that I could beat all the questions to two different places? No, I can't. You know, I've gone to that extent to let her know how much I love her and to reassure her. And, you know, still to this day, she has not gone on Zyprexa, which her doctor recommended, and I re read up on it. Zyprexa is very good for people that have uh, paranoid schizophrenia or uh, delusions. It helps them put themselves in the moment and kind of step back and, you know, react in a more positive way or at least more rational way. But, again, because I mentioned it was an antipsychotic, that's all it took. I'm not taking something that's antipsychotic. What's they label me psychotic? No. So that kind of is out the window. But anyways, that's pretty much about the episode. Like I said, it's just, I'm going to read up on it, but it's very confusing. When I'm there, she gets jealous. She wants to know all my texts. Um, if she accuses me of something, she stands her ground. She's very possessive. <clears throat> you know, if I go to the mailbox and next door neighbor, if she happens to be outside... She'll say something like, you know, did you get a good look at her when you were over there? You know, and I'll come over to her. Instead of responding negatively, I'll be like, are you kidding me? The only reason I would look at anybody else is to realize how lucky I am to have somebody as gorgeous and sexy as you. That's the only reason I would look at somebody else. But even then, I don't need to because I know that I married the most beautiful woman who's sexy and I'm attracted to. So if that helps you, and then I give her a hug and a kiss. And a lot of times that does ease her. And I'll make sure I do it outside. You know, if, if there was a neighbor lady outside, I'd give her a hug and a kiss. And I said, see, I want the world to know that I love you. And I'll say it loud. You know, but anyways, thank you again for listening. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate the emails. And uh, if anybody wants to send me an email, like I said, um, in the contact us, um, I've got the information, 
I'd love to hear from you. But anyways, like I always say, if you were living with somebody that has BPD, try to love them as much as you can because they find it so hard to love themselves. Have a great night. Have a great life. And enjoy the person you're with. Because you are lucky to have them and they're just as lucky to have you. You've been listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. I hope you enjoyed the show. And please check out my many other episodes. I hope you get some beneficial suggestions from my experiences. And remember, we're all responsible for our own choices. I'd like to remind you that if you have someone in your life with BPD, try to understand them and love them as much as you can because they find it so hard to be able to understand themselves and love themselves. So thank you again and have a happy life.